Right, a highly acclaimed uh, journalist uh, with his uh, feet in a number of camps. Um, as uh, Mark Hinton will always enjoy him uh, on the show, and uh, Mark's joined us, uh, I believe, out of Hawke's Bay, where he was uh, in town yesterday for the naming of uh, the, uh, Ian Foster's Rugby World Cup squad. And Mark, you've been to a few namings, I would imagine, over the years. Uh, was this one which was pretty low-key the on the basis that there wasn't a lot to talk about in terms of surprises? Yeah, exactly, Smithy. Yeah, good to be uh, back on here with you. Um, yes, still in the Hawks Bay down here, and uh, sitting at the airport, about waiting for my flight back to Auckland, actually. And um, you're right, um, a little bit low key, although it was a great event um, and a great turnout from from people down here. They uh, sort of filled up Peter Grew Green Arena there, uh, like it was a uh, you know, an actual sporting event. There were probably 1,500, 2,000 people there, and they really enjoyed it. The All Blacks were all there. So there was a wee bit of sort of fanfare, but it was a predictable team. 33-man uh, squad. I don't think you could quibble with anything, um, really, once they'd made that decision to go with an 18-15 split. Gave them a, an extra player in their outside backs and one less loose forward. Um there's always an unlucky player or two Smithy, wasn't there? Sam Penny Fenow was, you know, mm. um, probably the unlucky one. Brad Weber had his supporters. A few people thought he might have forced his way in. Joe Moody, of course, the veteran prop, just not quite right. So that he didn't make the cuts. And, of course, Braden Enall with his knee injury. I don't think he would have got it anyway, Smithy, um, with David Havili available again. So probably... Um, I, I think uh, probably the most um, predictable, settled, and, and and least debated squad I can remember for some time. And that, you know why? They've won four games in a row, four tests in a row, three of them very convincingly, and they're travelling very well. So there wasn't a lot to debate, wasn't there? Yeah, they, I looked at uh, the side that played England, uh, the last international in the UK, um, and there was only three players uh, in that squad uh, who did not make it, and they were on the reserves. One injured, uh, George Bower, um, uh, <coughs> I think Hoskins Satutu and TJ Perinara were the only three that didn't make it out of that squad of 23 on the day. So um, he's nothing if not faithful in that regard. He obviously has had a long-term plan along with Joe Smith uh, and, of course, Jason Ryan. And uh, Interesting, yes, that 18-15 split us England have gone for 19-14 with their team naming overnight. Yes, I, I, I would have gone 1914 myself. I think if you look at World Cups, if you look at just international campaigns in general, where you get most of the injuries, it's usually up front. The, you know, the attrition, the, the impacts are a bit greater in the forwards. Um, and, and um, you know, it's, you just want to take that extra coverage, have those players on hand. But I, I guess kind of I get Ian Foster's reasoning. He explained it to us afterwards. He said they're up there for eight weeks, essentially, or they aim to be. And um, there's a lot of training and there's a lot of sort of gaps between games at World Cups. And, and this sort of split allows them to go 15 on 15 at training and, I guess, simulate those game, simulate those game position uh, situations, especially when you've got those sort of gaps of 10 or 12 days between games. So you get his reasoning, um, but I think you're a little bit tight in the um, loose forwards, only five loose forwards. And, you know, those guys get injured pretty regularly. So I, if I was a Sam Penny fee now and one or two others on state fit, they, they may still be needed. Yeah, exactly right. In fact, uh, 
two or three of them are, are heading over there uh, anyway. So in effect, uh, with all the speculation about uh, the test match last uh, weekend in Dunedin, nothing was probably going to come out of it, providing everyone stayed fit anyway. I mean, I look at the inclusion of Fino, I look at the inclusion of uh, Sean Stevens, then, and, uh, and then I go back to the, the fact that one or two or three of them didn't uh, exactly cover themselves in glory, but stayed. Yes, yes. I don't think anything was decided in Dunedin one way or the other, really. Um, as, as we, as I mentioned earlier, I think even if Braden Enel didn't didn't uh, do his ACL, um, I don't think he would have got in because David Avili, they were clearly determined to bring him back in. They a lot of time in him. They saw what they needed in that Friday hit out um, against Otago. So I don't, I don't know if there was a spot for Braden Enel or anywhere. It might have been a little bit of a debate. Um, um, and, and, and the rest of them, yeah, again, no spot for Sam Apeni Finau when there's only five Lucy's. He, he's the natural mm. one to squeeze up with his lack of experience. And probably the only other area where, uh, what props, again, Joe Moody wasn't judged quite ready. They, you know, they probably needed to see him get on the field, which he never quite managed in his comeback from his uh, foot injury. So, uh, Ian Foster did name check him. They've got him on standby. Um, they want to sort of uh, keep an eye on him. They want to see him back on the field, get a bit of confidence and rhythm and cohesion in his game. And he, he did mention 2015 when, of course, Joe Moody didn't wasn't part of the original World Cup squad. Came over and ended up starting the final for the All Blacks. And of course, you know, left that tournament with that winner's medal around his neck. So quite a story, and it can be done even if you don't make that initial squad. So. Those sort of fringe guys, those mixed calves off the rank, your Joe Moody, um, Wallace Huffer, and Miller, he's injured. He, he was going to be um, part of that three you mentioned that, that were going to be hanging around. And, um, so now it's George Bell and Hooker, you know, all of those guys. Um, if, if your next calf off the rank, stay ready because you maybe still be needed. Right, Mark, the other subject I'd really like to talk to you about is um, the New Zealand men's basketball team. The Tall Blacks, of course, have uh, just completed yeah. a, a two-game series against Japan, a win and a loss there. Uh, we're getting to the serious end of uh, Pedro Cameron having to finalise his World Cup squad, which, of course, starts uh, on the 27th of August. It's live, I'm pleased to say, on TVNZ, so we can all watch it. Um, and, of course, coming in from the Philippines, so not a bad time zone for us. First game against the United States of America. How are you thinking they're shaping up at this point? Um, reasonably well, Smithy. Um, two games against Japan, as you mentioned, they split those. They dropped the first one, but bounced up really well and had a convincing win in the second one. So um, I just think, you know, they've got things underway. They're now in, um, up in Europe. Oh, Mark's disappeared off the planet. He has disappeared off the planet. He's probably <laughs> sitting, um, I'm not sure if he's in the Koru Lounge at uh, Napier, but he's uh, certainly disappeared off the planet. And uh, hopefully uh, we can get him back there. I'm not sure if they called his flight and he had to duck off down the, the lift and to the vast expanse, which is Napier Airport. Uh, but it looks like Brian's talking to someone and Mark's back. Mark is back, thank goodness for that. Yes, so they split those games and, and now what for Piro Cameron? Yeah, sorry, Smithy, I'm not sure what happened now, bit of a dropout. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, so they're up, in, um, they're up in Europe. They've got two more games up there, uh, two more tough internationals against, you know, European heavyweights that'll get them ready. Then they go to China, another couple of outings, uh, and then uh, to the Philippines where they face the USA in their pool. And any time you've got the USA um, in your pool at a World Cup, it's a tough one. You know, these are all the NBA stars. This isn't as strong as some USA teams have been. 
So they won't be quite as intimidating, Smithy, but they'll, they'll, they'll still be tough. These are all established NBA guys, a little bit of a younger team than normal. Um, so, so that'll be a tough game for them. And they've also got Greece, a European heavyweight, a big team with a lot of experience. Uh, and at their best would include a guy by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo, and anyone who covers the NBA will be well aware of that name. He is one of the best players on the planet. Doesn't look like he's going to play for Greece. I haven't seen their final lineup, but he's he had recent knee surgery and um, was an extremely doubtful starter. So it doesn't look like he's going to be there, which makes Greece just a little bit more winnable, although still tough for the Tall Blacks. And they've also got Jordan. So tough, Paul Smithy. You got to win. Got to finish top two to sort of stay in the race uh, at the World Cup. So they're probably going to have to beat Greece. Can they do it? Yes, they definitely can. If they, over these next four games, find that Tall Blacks kind of spirit and all that, they can definitely do it, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be a very hard road. So worth watching because the Tall Blacks always give great entertainment and they always leave blood on the floor, which is great to see. Oh, just looking too at uh, the, the squad, he trimmed it from 18 to 14 after the first camp uh, up there in Auckland. And then, of course, um, uh, the Webster brothers were missing, which is uh, a bit of a concern when I, I look at uh, particularly Corey Webster's uh, form towards the end of the Sales NBL. I mean, he was instrumental with the Rams uh, winning that comp. I just, <laughs> any way back for those guys in the future, or, or how are you seeing it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were both unavailable for personal reasons. I think Corey's were were more, um, well, they were unstated, but I think it was more sort of things going on in his life. And with Ty, I think it was a medical issue. So it's a shame not to have either of those two guys, outstanding players. Corey Webster's a proven world-class performer and a scorer. Um, gets it done at World Cups. He's, he was the third, uh, third leading scorer at the last World Cup, and you don't do that unless you're pretty handy. And Ty Webster, one of the most dynamic, exciting players um, in New Zealand basketball. So they're definitely weaker without those two. They cover reasonably well. Some of these. They've got some good guards there. Um, uh, with the likes of what well, they got the coach Sunflin Cameron, Isaiah Liafa from the Breakers, um, Shay Illy from Melbourne United, of course. Uh, you know, mm. good, capable players who will do the job. But they'll miss the Websters. Um, and it was, it was unfortunate they weren't available. But that's one of those things in sport. You don't always have your full uh, strength squad. Of course, they're missing Stephen Adams as well as he recovers from that knee injury. Apparently would have played this tournament. Would have been his first appearance for the Tall Blacks. Another reason to kick ourselves. We're not going to see the best um, possibly available for the Tall Blacks. Yeah, bloody shame. Absolute shame. Mark, Mark uh, but what wasn't is that we were able to, to get hold of you and uh, you come on the show this morning, which we're uh, very happy about. Thanks for your time. Travel safely. Uh, we'll catch up again soon. Yeah. Cheers, Matty. Go well.